My goodness me. Here it is. Predictable. Well choreographed. Perfectly rehearsed. Hello and welcome to episode 3 of Grassroots, a behind the curtains look at women's club rugby. In this episode, as well as the usual nonsense, we discuss balancing real life with rugby life. We welcome Arishan's ladies from Bristol. Sleaford ladies cause mayhem with a referee and Molly has a rather embarrassing injury. This podcast will be like sitting in the clubhouse bar with a pint after a game. We hope you enjoy it. 22 months with a triple knee operation. She runs in, tries for fun. I'm Lou. She has got a remarkable strike rate. And I'm Jodie. The forward who can't stop scoring. I'm Molly. The cannonball coming through. And I'm Matt. This is Grassroots. What's the difference between a rock and a mall? A mall, quite frankly, is something that I try to avoid. It's just an absolute shambles of a mess i don't know i mean for me being in them it's just like being crushed to death um and i'm, I'm not really sure why it happens i think it's because the person carrying on did so we end up trying to do a sort of mini squash on standing up and it, it it's never ended well for me so i sort of try and take a side step from those so leanne tell me about the offside rule in rugby well, in football. <laughs> I'm not saying I broke my vagina, but I went to the gym the other week. Shout whatever. out to Josh, by the way. Oh, Jesus. No, there's none of that, especially after a rugby game. So, you know the machine that you sit on? And this is a gym machine, by the way, not some sexual uh, thing. So, the one that you push in with your knees works the inside of your thighs the one you sit on and you push in with your knees so it does your groin what's that called machine from hell it's meant to be your lats groin pusher i don't know so i accidentally thought why does this only go up to 80 kilograms this is quite light 80 kilograms have you got like stone crusher inner thighs molly yes i have anyway <laughs> so, no i've done it a few times but i went quite light anyway so i went about i think i went 60 oh dear so when we went to training the next day we did that groin stretch and i honestly think my flap was broken <laughs> i actually pulled my flap in the gym which was the left flap and then when we were doing the <laughs> And yeah, and then when we were doing the stretching to do the warm up, I said, "Girls, I've really hurt my flap." No one believed me, but honestly, girls, <laughs> give it a go. T is that if you can do it, you've got strong flaps. But honestly, it was a real injury. I'm still confused. I'm like, really confused how you managed that. Have you got? Did you get it caught in anything? You push it in with your knees. I know how the machine works, <laughs> and I have used it before, and I've never injured a flap. My flaps are not that big that they reach the bit. Well, Jodie, maybe you haven't been using enough weight on the flap machine it must be what it is <laughs> toning my vagina well anyway so it pulls your groin but it also goes all the way to the flap so maybe we should call it the flap machine no well i think it's the new name they don't have one of those machines at the rugby club gin no probably because it's a if there's been previous experience maybe sherry used it too much and it just got worn out it's a specialist piece of equipment for for women's gyms what happens if a bloke uses it Matt? All their penis? I don't know. Makes it longer? Oh, it, it depends on what kind of sack you're sporting. If you've, if you've got a monster sack, then theoretically, I guess, you could 
maybe get it caught on something, perhaps. I thought I they guess. all just came in one size. I'm not going to lie. Oh, no. Sack oh, no. strain, is that a thing? Yes, got, sack yeah. strain. Sack oh, strain. You've got God. sports sacks, you've got designer sacks, you've got... Tight sacks? Tight sacks you have. You've... Dangly sacks? I don't know. Asymmetrical sacks. Ooh. Right, this is enough about sacks. This is supposed to be a mature, um, interesting podcast with facts and what? talking stats with rugby, and you've just brought <laughs> down the node. The flat machine, it will forever be known. Anyway, right, I'm ill, as you can tell. Have you got the sick? The, well, I hope not. I've already had it once. I've done it again. It's got man flu. Oh, my God, you've been a gingerbread. <laughs> I just got flaps on my mind after Molly just goes straight in with it. I'm like... I've got a really vivid imagination, Jodie. I'll, I'll be thinking all night now about how it's possible to strain your flaps, even when there's no actual muscle there. The thing is, if the physio came on the pitch, you can't be like, oh, sorry, I've pulled my flap. Can you rub out the strain? Because what are they going to do? They're not going to spray it with DP. Can you work it out for me? <laughs> Get the foam roller out. Go down on one knee because your fucking flaps burn. Can you strap it up, please? Yeah, strap it up, yeah. What type of strapping do you do on a flap? Well, I use I straps know. on my flaps all the time. I've just Googled, which was probably not a, a very wise idea. I put, can you strain your vagina? And it says you can strain a groin muscle while lifting, pushing, or pulling heavy objects. I'm not sure what I'd be pulling with my vagina. However, the, Men, um, the push oh, <laughs> you need to think. I'm on fire today. Not exclusive to men. Oh, of it course. It says... A, Snapping sound may be heard with hip or leg movement, but there was no snaps in the flaps. It was just so, uh, yeah. So I think we need to ask Hannah Sheehan how we address the uh, flap pulling. Hannah, your offer has been greatly accepted and got a, a great question for, for your guest appearance in a week or two. Do you know what? She must feel so privileged. She's fought on the front line for over a year, fighting COVID, and now her big break is coming onto a podcast and talking about flaps. The height of her life. Yeah. Right. I think this is why we need dubs on the podcast because we've just spent 15 minutes talking about flaps. So she needs to rein us in next time. She's a very calming influence, right. dubs, isn't That's she? That's it. Laura's not allowed on the pod again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, no. Shout out to dubs, though. She's blessed. She's got COVID. Oh, Laura. Sorry to hear about your terrible illness. Although it has to be said, I did raise an eyebrow when your husband offered to give a load of players lifts to the match on Thursday. Yeah, me too. But- a lift to the match on Thursday plus a dose of COVID. Yeah, thanks. Yeah. I'd love a lift. Well, the thing exactly. is, the guidelines are so kind of loose at the <laughs> loose, uh, loose at the moment. <laughs> like your flap. Sorry, yeah, my <laughs> flap's very, very. Anyway, yeah. So the guidelines are so loose, like with rugby and stuff. Like if one COVID case happens in your team, you, ultimately you could potentially wipe out your whole squad. But now they're like, oh, don't worry. If you're double vaccinated, you can all play and spread it around the position. It's mad. That's a good tactic to get rid of the opposition, though. Is that how lots of teams have got out of pre-season friendlies? Oh, there's been so many this week. It's been horrendous on Instagram. It's depressing. It's more like location. So, like, there's loads of teams that have got cancelled friendlies, but they can't marry up and and play each other because the distance is too far. It sucks, whatever the reason is. It sure does. It's very depressing. Anyway, I thought we'd have a really quick discussion before we launch into the normal stuff about how we're going to get organised to go into playing. Because obviously there's some new COVID stuff coming along. Some of us have 
real challenges getting organized getting the time off and all that kind of stuff so it'd be interesting to know kind of what your thoughts were and the challenges that you've had over the years with you know just just getting yourself in, a, in an organized state to actually go and play on a on a weekend because it's a busy old time of year isn't it Back when I was playing, I was working full time, but my job was kind of really full on. So I'd work lots of hours and like have only one day off a week. So playing matches and training actually had to be really regimentally scheduled in for me. And at the time, I just don't think a lot of other players were in the same sort of situation as me. So I know there were a handful of us who were working parents it's really hard to just fit everything in and to be able to just mobilize the troops plan everything to the absolute nth degree just to get to training or just to be able to turn up for a match never mind an away match that would be like two hours travel set off at 7 a.m that was just bonkers organization I remember I used to really envy slash be a little bit pissed off (laughs) at some of the other players who just fell out of bed, put the kit together, turned up on the bus, worried about some breakfast or some food in later. I'm like, oh my God, you don't even know what I've just had to go through to even get here. But having said that, I am so glad I did all of that because my life would have never been quite as full or fun. And it was kind of my time out from normal, boring life, really, even though it took a lot of organising and work. So, yeah, that was my experience. Nowadays, I kind of fall out of bed. Kids look after themselves, and I think, oh, I think a rugby match is happening today. I might go watch it. So, yeah, (laughs) good luck, you lot. allowed me to go up to the mountain and I've looked over and I've seen the promised land. I the rock, I the river, I the tree, I am yours. Your passages have been paid. Inch by inch, play by play, till we're finished. The Greeks had Socrates, Romans had Cicero, the French Descartes, and this is the Shakespeare of grassroots women's rugby. This is where legends are made. Jez says. I don't even know how podcast is. Topic today, other than tits on the chairman's head, is... Tits and dogging. <laughs> not dogging either. <laughs> how do you balance home life and rugby? It's hard. I don't have enough time. I don't have enough time anyway for anything. If there was a way to do it, I would cook the tea in the bonnet of my car as I was driving to something. That is how my life pans out. There'll literally be a kid in the car, wheel spin into somewhere, out, 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 throw them off onto a football pitch, wheel spin to the next venue, drop another child off, turn up to rugby training with another child. I've only got three, by the way, I'm talking about over the years. Here's a packed lunch, sit there, don't move. It's that kind of scenario. There's always a child with me, like the time you have to take them on the bus to an away game. That's never great, especially on the way back when you've won. Here's some ear defenders, there's an iPad. Don't speak, don't look at anyone, don't talk, don't, certainly don't take the ear defenders off. It's, you just have to deal with it. It just becomes normal. Do you think your children have been exposed to things on buses that they shouldn't have done at their age? Yeah, there's a bit of scarage. So you have to work pretty hard to balance it, Sherry. 
Well, all my kids are sporty. Martin plays rugby, obviously. So when I know what's coming at me that week, I have to sit down and work out a strategic plan. Who's where at what time? Who's dropping which one off? Who can do a lift share? Who can bring one back? Are you even my child? Oh, God, someone's brought the wrong one back. That's been a scenario. It could go either way. You just literally don't know. I have to do a head count. Football, rugby, swimming, gymnastics, you know what I mean? I used to have to train on a Wednesday night. I used to have to drop, row me off at gymnastics, do about 100 miles an hour from Renbury to Nantwich to get to training in time so I didn't get beasted for being late. And the minute training ended, I used to sprint across the pitch and wheel spin out of the car park to get back to Renbury. But you just do it, you know what I mean? There's a plan. Lift shares are a big part of my life. does sound it. I know exactly how you feel. There are times where even the slightest thing goes wrong, everything falls apart. Yeah, one spanner in the work and it all it's like a game of Jenga. Whole week goes to shit. All it would take is someone to move training back half an hour and that's it. Back to the plan. Have you ever had any... Remember the time Katie Heerine had to breastfeed the child at the side of the pitch? Remember that, Jodie? Yeah, do you remember that? Katie yeah. had not long had the youngest kid. She got subbed off for 20 minutes. She breastfed the child during subbing and then straight back on and carried on playing. You know, that's extreme juggling family life. It was a bit like a Formula One pitch start, wasn't it? Remember? <laughs> Latch, go, go. Drink, 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 drink. And that wasn't even the pint in the bar. That was just the child getting its lunch. I just remember her husband running across the pitch. Yeah, with the screaming child with the empty belly. Katie then gets it out, gets the child fed. Then comes straight back comes on. Comes straight back on the pitch. Are you injured? Are you injured? No, the baby's hungry. Yeah, exactly. Score. That was pretty extreme, wasn't it? God, that, I didn't realise how much commitment that must take. <laughs> that's impressive. Girl power. Well, it must be pretty uncomfortable playing yeah, rugby when you're breastfeeding anyway. That's not it? like whipping off and making the kid a sandwich, is it? That's <laughs> next level. Yeah, it's not like here's a bag of uh, bag of crisps and some... Um, fruit shoot. Yeah, and the fruit shoot, is it? When your kids are younger, like over the years, Romy's 12. Oh, so so Romy was five when I started playing. So you never, ever turn up to any game or any training session without a full-on bag of breakfast, dinner and tea, basically, because you just don't know how long you're going to be there. Anything could go wrong. Your dinner, your tea, snacks, the lot, there's that bag. Just work through it. There's a blanket. There's an iPad. I'm just there. That's how it has to be. My kids like, have grown up with the rugby life. That's why I started playing, actually, because... I spent so many years on the side of the pitch with the kids watching them play or Martin play. In the end, I thought, I might as well just play because I'm here anyway. That's actually why I started playing. I just really? thought, why not? I'm always at the rugby club. I might as well be playing. Is it possible? To, would it be possible to mm. play while lactating? You're asking me now or Well, Matt? obviously, I, was, I think I'm asking Sherry. I don't know. Matt might have some experience. So only second hand, thankfully. Yeah, I've never experienced it first-hand or second-hand, so... I imagine it's a bit like, you know, when cows need milking. Would it be possible to play rugby while lactating? Like, do you have to, do you have to like, express it? Would it have to be like, right, I need to make sure part of your game warm-up, need to express milk and then play? I didn't breastfeed for very long. I was too busy <laughs> to breastfeed. I was off in the supermarket or something. Did you ever forget the bag, though, Sherry? No, you wouldn't dare with my kids. Forget the bag, you're in trouble. I once forgot the bag going to Bridgemere Garden World once, which was like the, the most exciting day out I used to have when the kids were tiny. And I went to Bridgemere Garden World and forgot the bag. The bag. Any parent, Jodie, knows exactly <laughs> what the bag is. If you forget the bag, you're in, in the you shit. Are. But but I was, li- I was actually in the shit because Evelyn basically exploded. 
I've never seen so much shit come out of one child before. I'm surprised she wasn't just like an empty sack afterwards, just completely empty of anything because it was all up her back, down her leg, on the floor. What did you do? I took it to the, the loo to get cleaned up, took it to the changing room. I then realised I'd forgotten the bag. So the only thing I could think to do was use a Tesco carrier bag and I just ripped two holes in it for her legs. I just filled it with oh toilet God. roll and literally just put her legs through the bag. I just carried her out like that. Literally, I had to hand back my Dad of the Year award right then. Would it not been easier to find another work. woman with a child and go, have you got a spare nappy? It doesn't matter if it's too big or small. It's better than a Tesco carrier bag. Trust me, Jodie. When this happens, you just go into survival but mode. But then the moment of panic when the bag is not with you, it's every man for himself. You do what you got to do. I would have literally ran out and got a leaf off a yucca plant <laughs> and used it and made a loincloth. <laughs> There's no level you can't go to when you forget the bag, especially when you were on the rugby pitch. If it suddenly pops into your head, oh, no, something isn't in the bag, you're in trouble. Because at this time, you're in the middle of a line-out and you suddenly think, oh, shit. What sort of things are in the bag? Anything to keep it entertained, the child. Food. Could possibly be breakfast, dinner and tea in the bag. You have to take into account how many hours you could be out of the house for. Clothes for sun, clothes for rain, clothes for snow even. Yeah, two or three outfits, sun cream, umbrella, numerous drinks. Cowpole. It's It's non-stop. You need something to keep that child entertained for the full length of the game and the warm-up. Fruit shoots. You need lots of fruit shoots. But the good thing about having kids at the rugby club is probably the same at any rugby club. You do feel like your kids are safe, I do. Yeah, I do, yeah. You know, if your child's in the stream over there, somebody will fish the child out and bring it back. They know who that child belongs to. Yeah. Everybody knows who those kids are. There's a defibrillator now too as well, which helps. So they're like safe but not safe. But you know, they're going to get rescued and brought back. Rugby club is like a family. Everyone knows whose kids they are. And even if they're out of... They've gone out of eyesight and you're like, oh, no, you're in the middle of a scrum. You know, at some point, someone will retrieve the child before it gets to Newcastle Road and bring Return it Return to sender. Yeah, it won't get past the clubhouse. It may get from the back pitch to the clubhouse, but hopefully no further. Someone <laughs> will send it back. Jodie, obviously you've had your fair share of pre-match drama over the years. When you hear of players who are like too busy or can't get themselves organised, I always used to find, as a coach and a parent, this bit pretty annoying. But equally, you guys are busy as well, aren't you? So how do you make sure you keep your diary clear, you keep yourself organised, and also keep away from the pressures of other people when it comes to playing? I don't really have a social life, so it's pretty easy for me. Like, I don't have to put anything first. I remember when I first started going out at Maria. Don't forget, she is on pub watch, so it's out of her <laughs> hands. I was like, rugby comes before you for anything, don't worry. Like, you're like your number two, rugby is my number one, so don't think you're coming first for anything. I told her that at the beginning, that sort of still stands today. In some occasions, I'll make exceptions. You know, when you're turning up to a game and it's like a three o'clock kickoff and they're saying we need you to be here for one, I might have been down at the club that day since 8am when all my other kids play or I might have been in another town at a football match and come straight from that to somewhere else and my daughter in a netball match. I have to pack the bag and all my kit and everything at that time in the morning, do you know what I mean, juggling all the stuff before the actual game. And then sometimes people get a bit, oh, I can't believe you're not staying after the game. By that time, I need to now go on and repack the bag for the next day because I've already been out since 8 o'clock in the morning. I should put myself first more when it comes to that situation and let other people do stuff, but I'm just not like that. No, At what age do you stop uh, yeah. bringing the bag? How old do they have to get before the bag becomes like, obsolete? Like, even now, like last week, my kids are nearly 16, 17 and 12. 
you don't leave the house without there's always a bottle of water there's always sun cream baby wipes will probably till they're about 90 baby wipes are key <laughs> they work for everything hand gel at the moment masks that obviously yeah. they've now been incorporated into the bag yeah got your corona kit going on as well throw a lateral flow test in why not it's like mary poppins out comes a hat stand <laughs> there. yeah obviously bongella that could work you know anything mosquito bite <laughs> anything Definitely. bongella multifunctional <laughs> i recommend it it should be at every club like a defib <laughs> it just works one of my pet peeves was late kickoffs when we went to away games i'd be getting back at seven o'clock at night and i'd be cooking and ironing until nearly midnight half cut a lot of the time as well see i was having to do a lot of stuff before the game all the prep to try and have less stuff to do after the game because you know you're not getting until eight nine o'clock at night and on Sunday as well, and it's back to school tomorrow. So I'm having to do all the uniforms and everything, either really early that morning, like hours before we're playing, till midnight on a Saturday night. You have to plan two days ahead when you've got young kids and it's an away game. I've not got kids, so all I've got to think about is myself. So it's a lot easier for me. <laughs> I should even think about myself. I'll let my partner do everything. It's like, oh, is my rugby kit ready? Thanks, babe. Cheers. Does she get a payback, though, in the week? Do you have to like get up after the rugby bus Monday and just run around and make tea and all that kind of stuff no i'm i'm so kept i get looked after ridiculous amounts she's like everything rolled into one maid cook cleaner i'd be an absolute mess if she wasn't around honestly although what does annoy me on the monday after a game she refuses to give me a massage i think it's awful (laughs) my muscles are straining i'm just like oh can you just rub that she's like see i'm always conscious about getting wasted on the way back on the party bus when you know you've got the school run at eight o'clock the next morning so you're always very conscious, like, can't be over, can't be over the limit. It doesn't ever stop. The only time it stops is actually when you're on the pitch playing. But right up until kickoff and after kickoff, your mind is back on the, the family thing. What time will I be in? What haven't I done? What do I need to do? We must all be familiar with when uh, we're doing the school run on a Monday morning. You can't actually check your blind spot because you can't move your neck. And I'm going to the five-year-old child. Am I clear on the left? Am I clear on the right? Because I can't actually move at that point. It's about Thursday till I can check my blind spot. I'm sure somewhere something illegal is going on there, but, you know. Actually, question for everybody, really. I think it's massively important with playing sport, coaching sport, being involved in sport, that you have a partner who's involved in sport or at least understands and accepts it. Obviously, Jody, your other half isn't really a rugby player. Uh, Molly, you've, you've had relationships in the past where the other person is sporty and I'm sure times when you've had partners where they haven't been sporty. How have you managed to deal with that? That can be a real source of conflict, can't it? Josh, who coaches the women's team now, it's really, really nice to have a boyfriend that kind of is as enthusiastic and as invested in rugby as I am because we pretty much live and breathe it for the whole week. So Tuesday he trains, Monday, Wednesday he coaches us and we train. Saturdays he plays, Sundays I play. Sometimes you do get to the point where you're like, oh God, we just need like some time together away from rugby. That comes probably every three months you need at least a day and then you're like, yeah, get me back to rugby now. If you've got a partner that's supportive Equally, if they don't play and then they let you kind of go and do your thing and then you come back and they're like, oh, how was your game? And just from that sports background, it, it is massive. It can become quite a friction in your relationship if your partner doesn't understand how much rugby means to you. In past relationships, it's definitely been, I wouldn't say breaking 
point, but it's been a constant argument every kind of couple of weeks. You're always at rugby, you're always doing this. And actually, rugby's my outlet, rugby's my social life. I don't really do much outside of rugby. So, you know, if you've got that support and and it makes you happy, it's great. But the other side of it, if you coach it or your partner's not interested in it and you're spending a lot of time with these people and not with them, it can be quite rubbish. So there's both sides, isn't there? There's two sides to every coin. I guess it's just about getting the balance mm. right. Yeah, I have to say um, rugby was my time out, <laughs> actually, from real life relationships, kids, and actually, funnily enough, cited in my divorce. <laughs> so there you go. Really? Apparently, I spent too much time playing rugby and training, i.e. once a week. That's definitely a conversation for another day. <laughs> I was going to say, I'm pretty sure, Lou, you were never wanting to train because you were like, I'm a forward, I drink, <laughs> and I turn up on the day. I put a lot of training into that. I shall turn up and I shall be fabulous. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> How about you, Jodie? Obviously, you, you mentioned that you got the ground rules in place early doors with your relationship. Yeah, I think from the offset, I said, you're very important to me, like really one of the most important things in the world, but rugby comes first. And that's always just been the case. Made that clear from the offset. I think I've been quite fortunate because Maria is amazing and she's so willing to sort of get involved with everything I do. And she's so invested in my life and what I enjoy. So it's been a really easy relationship to mix rugby with the relationship it have been in previous relationships where rugby has gotten in the way and caused sort of relationships to end and i put rugby first yeah they didn't appreciate that i think i found perfect because obviously she's not into sport loves the gym she's obsessed with that but obviously she's never been in a situation where it's like this and her experience is limited but yeah she's very very supportive you know you have a relationship with that person but you also have an indirect relationship with their massive dysfunctional extended family yeah Definitely. You date me, you date 30 other people. If the balance is right, there can be not as many disagreements. Like the good thing about a rugby team is they're so inviting. Like there's so many people on our team that have got partners that are not into rugby at all, apart from coming watching their partner play. And the social side of it and how fighting we are, etc. We've got loads of players that bring their partners to socials, play after the game. And they all join in and you know I think if you put the effort in to come down and get to know the team then you feel part of the rugby setup even if you're not interested in playing yourself yeah massively you know Lou I'm sure you'll empathize with this and I know this came out of a conversation I had with somebody at the club on Saturday is when the season starts particularly with the away games if you don't have a supportive partner at home what ends up happening is you make a lot of sacrifices yourself just to get that couple of hours of time for yourself. So you're up at crazy o'clock in the morning, doing all the jobs you have to do before you leave. You're then going out, playing a game, cutting some of the social short afterwards, getting home, and then you're straight back on the job and you're expected to walk in through the front door full of the joys of spring, happy to see everybody wanting to go back into family life so you actually have to fake that yeah that side of you a little bit and yeah, you and often find yeah, you go that, to bed very late having done uniforms ironing cooking all that kind of stuff and although that sacrifice is worthwhile because you really want to do it it takes its toll yeah and that's exactly what it's like when you've got a partner who is not interested in sports not invested in supporting you play rugby and go on then you have a couple of hours off to go and play rugby but you should be at home really 
with us. That's a tough gig, really, because you have to sacrifice a lot more to actually go away and do the rugby. Yeah, Definitely. I think it's really important to be straight with your partner at the front end, isn't it? About that side of your life and also the people you hang out with. Because you know, I remember going back a long time ago, my wife coming to meet me after a match uh, and I've been playing uh, and I've been voted, I'd like to say man of the match, but I suspect it was probably dick of the day. And she walks into the pub and there was 30 people just standing around, me stood on a chair, chanting whilst I downed a pint of something very horrible. And that wasn't just the only thing I had to down that afternoon. And she'd never seen that side of me. She'd never seen me in my natural environment, if you like. And it was a massive shock. And she was really quite disturbed by it as if it was some kind of weird bullying ritual in fact i was like loving it every bit as much as everybody around me was it was praise in fact <laughs> yeah probably yeah <laughs> rugby for me is my escapism from away from my relationships i want to know basically how you balance in a relationship with someone who's rugby and then at home and then you sort of see them every time and you sort of don't have that time away is that different for me, that seems that is like an unusual situation, really, because you're in a relationship with someone who plays, coaches you, and you're always, always doing rugby. I think we're quite good at taking time away from rugby when we need it. So, obviously, like I've had quite a lot going on in my personal life with a couple of my family members being unwell. And actually, we were back for training last night. You know, we got back about three o'clock in the afternoon and we both said to each other, do you know what? We've not missed a pre-season session for the last 10 weeks. We need to take a break because we want to spend some time together that isn't rugby. So, we are quite good at that. However, I'm quite lucky in the aspect that Josh coaches those those people that like to just stand there and look pretty and not really do a lot. No, I'm joking. So he coaches the backs and I get coached by Andy and Sean in the forwards. So That's probably the key it, to a healthy relationship, right? Yeah, and don't get me wrong, like we Josh has got other hobbies and, and I'm quite a social person and like seeing a lot of my friends and stuff. So even though we probably spend more time together at rugby than we do at home, we find other things to have that balance. And I think we both love rugby a lot. If we didn't, that would then make it more difficult. But because we're all like, we sit at home, we listen to The Good, The Bad and The Rugby, which is an excellent podcast, by the way. We watch quite a lot of rugby games that we've seen a million times and stuff. And because we're so passionate about it, I don't think it matters. I think if one of us was really into it and the other one was just kind of like, yeah, just do it for you know, something to do, it would make it difficult. As long as you're honest with each other. And if Josh wanted to go training and I didn't want to go I would say I can't tonight I'm really struggling I need a break we could go without each other hey said you never I'm obsessed aren't I I just live and breathe rugby and I'm a long time retired so while I'm still able-bodied ish (laughs) um I need to just keep going (laughs) although I'm gonna bet you a pound Molly that sometime around when is it normally end of November time you'll say to me I'm not really enjoying my rugby at the moment Matt (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah yeah literally <laughs> that happens every year it always happens i was having a conversation with uh, one of the under 15s tonight and i said he was like oh this is boring i don't want to do two v ones i don't want to play rugby anymore the game on saturday was rubbish and i said listen mate every year for the past 18 years twice a season i go to one of my mates i'm not doing this anymore and I'm still here <laughs> and, and and you have to go through that phase of oh I can't do it it's too much effort now why am I doing this to myself me and Matt have a bet when you're gonna do it when you're gonna say it oh. 
Oh, Ooh, she friggin' that's, did. That's a week earlier than last year. I'm so glad that you that you have wages on my misery. Thank you, you lovely people. <laughs> We're here for you. And the day where Jodie misses the bus. That's the other one as well. We bet when Jodie's going to miss the team bus. Have we done it yet, Jodie, this year? No. Uh, I think that might be a lie, Jodie. <laughs> I think I did two years pretty well, so we lost all the money there. You've been storing them up through COVID. Though. Yeah. Stupid ref, stupid ref, stupid ref, stupid ref. We played a game, obviously not last year, the year before. I'm pretty sure it was Scunthorpe, but don't quote me on that one. It, it was somewhere up further north than we are. The weather was just true rugby weather. It was cold. It was absolutely kissing it down with rain the ground was just a mud bath and I swear to god it was the best game we'd ever played it was brilliant fun but the worst thing was the showers afterwards they were freezing cold and I mean freezing cold so the funniest thing was we went from what was the sort of communal shower with us and the other team in various different states of attire decided we'd go and try the other shower at which point walked in on the ref who was stark but naked and was like, oh, um, okay, uh, we'll just go into the other one again. <laughs> and it was like, uh, oops. <laughs> I think oh, we must no. buy him a pint afterwards, bless him. So, yeah, that was um, that was just a hilarious moment, I must admit. And we've talked about that for months and months afterwards. I think I'd be pretty <laughs> traumatised if a load of women in, covered in mud in various states of attire walked in on me and I was butt naked. Well, for some, that'd be a fantasy, right? I'm not quite sure what kind of fantasy that would be. Because let's just say, right, from a male perspective, on what sounds like freezing cold, wet, muddy day, you're probably not at your best, let's say, in a naked situation. <laughs> you're going to be stood there just trying to get yourself warm, get some blood back into your extremities. You're probably thinking about <laughs> the, the penalties that you've uh, awarded wrong and all that sort of stuff. And the next thing you've got, a load of shrieking women staring at you. Like you're in the nip, so okay, fairs, yeah. So yeah, but if the situation is reversed and you're a female ref and a load of male players walked in on you, how would how would that make you feel? Ooh, the other way round. That's uh, wow. Yeah, okay. So I get how the male ref might have felt then. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty disturbing. These sorts of things happen, though, don't they? That's one of the, the big challenges. Remember when we first set up talking at length with various club executive people about these sorts of eventualities and this ridiculous sort of relay system about you can't have the Colts changing there and the ladies going there because the ladies might walk through on the Colts and the Colts might accidentally walk into the ladies' rooms. It was like it's proper like military precision stuff to make sure nobody saw each other in the bus. It is a logistical nightmare and I can't remember which club it was that we've gone to, but there, I think there's been only one where we've been and there were ladies' changing rooms and men's changing rooms. And I'm fairly sure it was one where they've had a lot of money invested and everything was brand new. But that is a very rare place. Was it Kendall, where they've, they had so much money, they even made the taps out of gold? Could be, yeah. Unbelievable. They have like towel heaters and things. <laughs> I can't remember. The trouser press. To the shop. They, they sold their, their ground to Sainsbury's, didn't they? It's the same as gaining loads of money. That's why it is. The 
This is Grassroots News with Lou. A couple of things from me this week that have stood out. The first one, it's still a running theme from the last couple of podcasts, is how many matches have been postponed. It's just seemed to have hit an absolute peak. But the other thing that just struck me, and it's something that's personal to me as well, is girls rugby. And correct me if I'm wrong, when girls get to finish under 11s, they're not allowed to play with the boys anymore until they get to the under 13s in which case then they can start under 13s girls only so they've got that two-year gap where girls aren't allowed to play rugby and I just think firstly it's a little bit unfair and secondly I just feel a bit sad about it really because my daughter and I know lots of other um, mums with girls who play rugby at that age surely that has an impact on the future for women's grassroots rugby. Jodie, what sports were you playing at 11-12? I wasn't very sporty. I did actually try and play rugby at school, but they wouldn't allow us. We just had to go watch the men's, and they were just thinking, oh, you're watching the men's? Yeah, yeah, I wasn't watching the men's for the men. I was watching it for the rugby. Rounders, netball, they were sort of my go-to thing. I was great at rounders. I was the best catcher in year nine. Cheshire, just so you know, best fielder out there. I was good at the uh, vertical high jump. I don't think it's even a sport, but I was good at that. But no, I wasn't very sporty at all. I was quite a large child who didn't really do sports. I was more into like maths club. I was really good at maths. Yeah. You are actually a secret genius, Jodie. Yeah, you just don't let everyone know because it's easier well, to get out the fool around people. Got you the job. I was like, yeah. I'm taking her on. She's nuts. I was like, no, trust me, she's bright. <laughs> she hides <laughs> it well. <laughs> I read something very disturbing the other day, actually, and on this very subject. And it's also close to my heart because my daughter's exactly that age as well. And that's that only 8% of girls aged between 8 and 11 do the recommended amount of physical activity in a week. That is properly shocking. So 92% of girls aged 8 to 11 don't do anywhere near enough exercise to keep them fit. I had a very similar experience when I was growing up. And I played at Cronan Switch until I was in the under 12s. And then I had to go and find another club because we didn't have a girls section at that point. Obviously now it's fantastic. We've got an under 30s, 50s and 80s. And I think if I hadn't had really supportive parents that were willing to drive me all that way to Sandbach to go and play rugby, I potentially would have stopped. If there isn't a girls team at your club or in the local area, then girls will either go and find another sport or stop playing. So how many people do we lose, well, girls, do we lose to the game because of there isn't the opportunity like there is with the boys? The boys are playing in big squads all the way through their playing career from under fives up to whenever they want. And that girls are just not given that same opportunity. You see the under 13s, under 15s, under 18s, and there might be 10, there might be 12 of them at the most. And I just think it's, I just think it's a little bit unfair and like a really underused opportunity. I think the big challenge that rugby has is that it just simply needs to get PR right because the game is still tarred with this brush of it being a dangerous sport, a risky sport, a boys' sport, and all this sort of stuff. And also, I don't think it helps sometimes that it's played in the winter months. So if you compare rugby to hockey, so my daughter plays hockey, and it's so well-organised. It's really well 
catered for across all age groups. They're very efficient. They've got a lot of helpers as well, ex-players, mums, dads, and all that sort of stuff that, that do a lot of the admin around the game and stuff. There's just loads of stuff to keep them busy. So there's always something going on with hockey. You're always in the loop about what's going on. The sessions are busy and full of people. Compare that to rugby, and you've got really difficult to recruit coaches into the women's section anyway, but particularly in the juniors. You've got the game that schools are scared of. Schools don't like it. They're frightened of it. They think it's dangerous. They, they don't want to get involved in risk assessments. They haven't got the facilities and the space to do it as well. And they don't like engaging with local clubs because there's all kinds of minefields with child protection issues and compliance and so on. So I think that's a big part of it. I think it's nobody's yet found a way to make it fully accessible You know, in that transition period between sort of childhood and ad- adolescence, really. It really scares people. As a mum of a potentially really talented young girl rugby player, I just find it a bit frustrating and a bit sad, actually. There's loads of examples of that. I had a very frustrating conversation with a parent a couple of years ago. Is it ago. across the board? What tends to happen is if you have one really good year group, where there's a very good coach, there's just all of a sudden a load of female players that, that do it, and they stay together, then all of a sudden you've got a, enough of a unit to get playing through that age group. It would be really nice to hear from clubs who have seemed to have got it sorted. Are there yes. clubs out there that have got some sort of winning formula? I'd love to know. Can the rest of us apply it to our own clubs? Let us know. This is Molly's Grassroots Salute. Molly, have you finished stuffing your face with a kebab or whatever it was? It was pasta and chicken, <laughs> Pasta actually. and chicken in a, in a naan bread. With some pasta garlic mayo. and chicken and pizza. <laughs> there was no cheese, which I know what? for people who know me, there was no brie and salt. No way. Got a game on Thursday. I need to make sure that I carb up with minimal cheese and then I can have a, a naan bread. You just haven't been to the shop, have you? <laughs> You've had a freezer tea, haven't you? Yeah, I have, actually. It is literally a freezer tea. Yeah, so actually, on the lose news with what I'm about to talk about this works quite nicely and it wasn't even planned my grassroots shout out this week goes to Stafford women's team and the reason why it does is because they have done an inner warrior camp on a Tuesday night to try and get women back into rugby and I think sometimes clubs overlook inner warrior camps and they're kind of like oh it's a bit same same and whatever but they've done it on a weeknight really smashed the promo the posters are amazing they're basically inviting everyone down for a pint after and I just think sometimes if you go back to basics and you just invite people for a run around and a pint it really, really ties people in. The other thing is Stafford have actually got their girls section nailed. They've got some really enthusiastic coaches, fantastic facilities, a boom in 13s, 15s and 18s girls, a lot of girls that are playing county level. And there was a couple of people who had got girls that wanted to play rugby. They knew how to coach and they just thought, do you know what, we're going to do it. And they just really threw everything that they could into it going into schools, running taster sessions, taking PE classes for the sports coaches, coaching them of how to coach rugby and giving them some ideas and then made sure that the club was accessible. So getting people to give them lifts, getting buses to bring them down to the club and basically just opening it out to girls that potentially didn't have access to it before. Okay, so what you're saying Um, is I'm going to have to either do all that or travel to mm -hmm. Stafford. Yeah. But I think sometimes as well with girls teams, what tends to happen as well, going back to Matt's point, is 
they all try and do it at the same time really close together clubs and actually we should be working in unison one big collaborative team there's no point in trying to set up a team five miles away from the next one and then another team two miles on the road from that for girls at the moment we're just not at that capacity of having as many girls wanting to play rugby as boys it's growing year on year and we are getting there like the world cup certainly helped but actually let's work together rather than having your club have five girls the next club having 10 and the other club having six let's just have a squad of 21 i think that is i think we just have to put the oh we're this club and we're that club aside for women's rugby and, and just get the team started and then we can fan more, out more if we like need county to. teams. That'd be a good shout, actually, wouldn't it? Yeah. Almost, it, but maybe not calling it Cheshire. No, not it. calling it Cheshire or Stafford, whatever county. But yeah, that may be the way forward. Oh my god, maybe we've solved some <laughs> major grassroots rugby issue here. Should tonight. get a Nobel Prize award for this stuff. Not sure it's Nobel Prize award winning, but <laughs> yeah. don't down yourself. Lou. And I'm pretty sure Stafford came up with this first, so we can't <laughs> do that. Stafford are a brand new team. This is their first season in the league. They've been around for a couple of years. They've kept the team going over COVID. And I think actually they've used what they did with their girls team to get their women's team up and going. And I just think going back to basics for inner warrior camps is definitely the way forward. Great work. Well done, Stafford. Good luck with your season. Hope it goes well. Yeah, and they also like our like, pod even better. too. They can have a, hey, get this. There we go, sound effects. So Jodie, update on the bubbling feud down in Reading and Amesbury. How's it right, looking? so I've actually had an email from a girl from Amesbury. Her name's Sarah. So I'll just read out how she's put it. Uh, hey guys, I'm not sure whether what you said in your recent podcast is true, but I play for Amesbury. We had a league game a few years ago against Reading at home. They left the changing rooms filthy and even found at least three worn knickers just left on the hangers. I don't want to slag them off too much, but I wanted to get our side across. Thank you very much. P.S. Love the podcast. Oh dear. Reading, come on. That's came in just yesterday, actually. We'll see what Reading has to say about that. Reading, if you're out there listening, we want to hear your side of the story because... These rumours have been bubbling away for quite a while now. Have you two made this up? No, why would, why would we make something like this up? Why would you make beef up? What I'm thinking is maybe if it is true, you know, like a psycho girlfriend or someone you see in leaves items in the changing room because they want to see you again. <laughs> maybe they've left the pants because they really want to play them again because they've got so maybe. much beef. Maybe three pairs, though. That's a lot of beef. I know. What type of briefs were they? Can we ask Sarah a few more questions? Right, Sarah, if you're listening, please let us know. Give us details on the knickers. Yeah, what kind of knickers were they? That's, that's important information, isn't it? I don't know how she knew they were worn, though. That's weird. Well, did they wear them in the showers is the question. Did they follow shower Possibly etiquette? that might be what it is. Might have been semi-clothed. Speaking of which, actually, a lot of weird things were discussed on Saturday afternoon, but one of them was to have grassroots branded shower flannels. And then we can label sherries so no one uses it. <laughs> yeah, we thought, actually, two types of flannels. One would be labelled inside pants and the other would be labelled outside pants <laughs> just so everyone's aware what these flannels are for yeah well maybe just one side inside and the other side outside mm. i was just going to say double-sided double-sided flannel they're not that thick though are they in golf yeah you get these special towels that you attach to your golf bag that are like a foot long and they're kind of towely material and you clean your golf clubs with them. You clean the mud off with one side and then you polish it with the other side. That's what it could be. 
So you clean the mud off your flaps off one side and then polish the flaps with the other. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Interesting concept. (laughs) Laura, come back. Please help me. This is Arishans, ladies, and Sally has joined us on the podcast today. Arishans is a club that's based in Bristol. Is that right, Sally? That is right, yeah. So welcome to Grassroots, Sally. Oh, thank you very much. Thanks for having me. About to start the season, who's your first game against? We've had one pre-season friendly already, but our next match is actually this Sunday. So we are playing Cheddar Valley Ladies. We've played them a couple of times. Really looking forward to getting back out there. It's Feels like a lifetime ago. Is that an away game or a home game? It's at home, 2pm kickoff. It's always a bit nicer when you've got some home comforts around you. So yeah, really looking forward to it. Tell us all about Aretians then. I'm from the West Country myself. I was brought up in Somerset, so I know that area, but I'm not familiar with the the name of your club. Probably in the grand scheme of other clubs in Bristol, it's a relatively small club. So it's based in Littlestoke. This weekend actually marks the 60th anniversary of the club being started up. So it's a really big weekend for us. Based in Little stoke just down from patchway station it is a small club but it's what i would identify as a proper rugby club so it's got two senior men's teams and then the ladies team started up about six years ago and i've been there almost from the beginning we've definitely had some sort of ups and downs in that time but we've managed to sustain through quite a lot and really be a respected part of the club And as a club as a whole, we're really keen to sort of work together and show that sort of one club mentality. As a team, we're a real mixture of experience and novices. For example, at training last night, we had two people that had never played ever. And it's just a lovely group of girls to be around, if I'm honest. Who's your biggest rival then? Oh, I don't know. I think Cheddar is always a very close match. I would say in terms of, yeah, the scoring... Our probably biggest two in a throw and from a win has been with Ashley Down and we've played them quite a few times and most of those matches are sort of one or two point games. So depending on what side you end up on, it can be either brilliant or a bit frustrating. So Sally, what about your personal rugby journey then? How did you get into it? I've watched rugby since I was really little. I've got my, my grandma to thank for that, actually. She's a massive rugby fan. One of my biggest regrets is I didn't start playing rugby at uni. I waited until I was about 21. So I had an all right knowledge of, of the rules, but I'd never played. Tried a lot of other sports and failed miserably at them. So I thought, well, I'll give rugby a go. My first training session, I turned up with a friend of mine and I was absolutely terrified. I got put straight in the second row, which as a solid front rower now <laughs> is quite a, a strange concept. So I've actually been at Arishans my entire rugby career and it's it's just been amazing really. What's so, the match then that you would if you could you'd love to replay? So it's a team that unfortunately isn't um together anymore but a, a really big memorable match was we played Dings Ladies a few it must have been two and a half years ago now. It was at Shaftesbury Park, which is where Bristol Bears ladies play. So the setting was was amazing. It's it's not somewhere that we're used to playing. I mean it was a Friday night game. The stand was really full and we had a lot of our supporters there. I couldn't even tell you what the score was, but I just remember the feeling. It was just so nice to hear loads of people cheering us on and that people had sort of chosen to come down and watch us. And I remember we actually ran out of a tunnel. Part of really? me felt like I was at like the World Cup final or something. <laughs> it was it was really strange. The vibe in the team was electric. I did break two of my fingers that night, but apart from did. that, just the general mood was really, really good. And it makes up for all those freezing cold February days where you're cleaning the dog crap off the pitch before you play and there's people walking across it because it's uh, actually public land and all this sort of stuff yeah Um, definitely uh, been to a few of them as well (laughs) yeah definitely 
What has rugby given to you personally? That's a big question. I mean, I've been lucky enough to build in myself a much better character. I've been the captain of Eritians for five seasons now. For being quite an inexperienced player was massive for me. And it's really built my love of the game and such a massive respect for the people that make rugby happen especially in the ladies game where it's not always that easy it's become my life and I I can't imagine a time without it really certainly through lockdown I know I struggled massively because I realized I don't really have any other hobbies so I felt like a bit of a lost puppy staring out the window for a lot of um, lockdown and I know a lot of the other girls were like that as well I couldn't imagine life without rugby how do you instill that in the newbies then i think say three years ago we weren't the team that we are now we were at a very very low point being taken out of the league i turned up to a match with four players once and it was almost the end of us i'm not going to take all of the credit for that but there was a lot of people that stuck around and i relied on other coaches senior members of the team and people within the club and we all just were like this team's not going anywhere. We need to do something about it. Since then, we've done a massive drive on recruitment and that can be bringing players back and also getting new players in. I always think the first session and the second session are so important as to whether that person comes back the week after. If they feel a bit left out, they haven't got a clue what's going on, no one talks to them, they're not going to want to come back. So for us, we are a bit bonkers as a team, so that always helps. But we are a, a really welcoming team. It's such a big thing, especially if you turn up to a session on your own, to a group full of strangers to play a sport that you've never played before. You know that you've made an impact when a couple of weeks down the line they turn up in a pair of boots and you think, you've invested in those boots yeah. now, I know you're not going anywhere. So it's interesting you mentioned how Eurasians were in a difficult place. So uh, one of my teammates, Mary, uh, she's a very experienced player, been around the team now for quite some time. And we just over a beer one time, she was talking about what she calls the women's rugby death spiral. <laughs> uh, which I thought was a bit morbid, but once you talk me through it, I absolutely get it. And that's where a team is going great guns, got a really nice core around it. And then through nobody's fault, a, a few things happen. The stars align. Somebody retires because they're getting on a bit. Somebody gets a nasty injury. Somebody gets pregnant. Somebody relocates. And then before you know it, you've got 13 players. And you go to your first game, you get smacked 80 nil. You're down to five players. And it can happen almost overnight, can't it? Tell me about the Eurasian story there, what happens and how you fixed it. To sustain numbers over a certain amount of seasons is difficult. So like you said, people get pregnant, people have childcare problems or have children that they need to stay at home for. But obviously that comes with its own problems. You know, we were starting to build to a really good place and we were in a league. A decision was then made to take us out of the league in order to focus on our development, which at the time was perhaps thought as as a good idea. There was a few sort of shuffles around in coaching and players. And it was very much like you just said, you know, people did drop off. And that was for a lot of reasons out of most people's control. You know, there was injuries. There was people that retired and stepped away. And that does have an effect on the morale of the people that are left. And it is very much sort of a spiral. It was a low point, I, I won't lie. The second part of my question then was how you fixed that issue. Yeah, we had a lot of new coaches come in and that made a massive difference because they had new ideas. They had a new drive to help the team. 
and also just relying on those players that stuck around. We said to the team, give us a year, let us try and fix what we have. And if at the end of the year that still doesn't happen, then we'll end up going our separate ways. But we just kept fighting, we kept recruiting. The players that stuck around brought a friend here and there. We recruited in gyms, in other clubs and all sorts. And just eventually, one by one, players either came back to us or we got new people. But it certainly wasn't a quick process. Yeah. A good two years or so. I'd be forever grateful for the, the girls that stuck around and the coaches that picked us up. I think it makes me appreciate more now what we have. I don't think we could ever go back to being as low as we were then. No. It's a real proud moment. Absolutely. I think it, it's good reference point sometimes when times are difficult, isn't it, to, to go but to think about how bad things have got or how good things have been. Those lines in the sand and those moments that are collective amongst a group can be really key to, to driving forward. And I think actually some point you made there about growing the team, getting the right people is important, isn't it? Definitely. Because it doesn't take many destructive forces in a squad to rip it apart. I'm really lucky to have an amazing vice captain, to have an amazing group of senior players who I look to if I'm struggling or if I need extra voices. I think we've got a really good mix of those leaders. Who's the team joker then? Oh, some of the team would probably say me. <laughs> um, yeah, there's definitely some jokers. I mean, we've had some some tours and some nights out, which most of which I probably can't say. We all know the rules, Sally, don't we? What goes on tour stays on tour. Absolutely, absolutely. I don't make the rules, I just live by them. <laughs> there's definitely some um, naughty so-and-sos in the team that do a bit of pranking and a bit of banter, but it's all lighthearted. Yeah, every team's got a fighter as well. There's always one that's always up in the face of uh, somebody rather. Nearly always on the flank. Who have you got? I'm going to touch wood just because we got a match on Sunday, but our discipline is pretty good. Is it? We've had the odd scuffle, shall we say. Have you? It's funny you say the uh, uh, back row, you know, I've got a flanker, she's called Ash. She's from Patchway in Bristol, for anyone that knows Bristol. Oh, yeah. She is proper Bristolian. Ghetto, that is. Oh, yeah. And she, she won't take any nasty business. So, Ash, behave yourself at the weekend. No scrapping. Unless it's a red, I don't want to hear all about it. You can come on the pod and tell us. What are your plans for the upcoming season then? We're back into NC2 Southwest. So this is the league that we initially got pulled out of. It's definitely going to be a step up for us. And some of the teams are going to be a challenge. Do you know what? I think we're going to be a challenge too to some of them. So I think we just got to keep doing what we're doing really, you know, and just, yeah, get people back doing it and then yeah. finish finish off the season with an awesome annual dinner, which uh, we're in the process of planning at the moment. What's your team drink then? That's easy. Have you ever heard of a port bomb? I haven't. So, you know, a, a Jaeger bomb? Yeah. Very similar, but instead of Jaeger, you put a shot of port in. That sounds like a road to rack and ruin. It is. And um, the club have made a great decision to put them on a deal with the club. So whenever they know the ladies are down for a social, they have to get a few extra bottles in just in case they, they sell out. Once you join the team, you have to have at least one, but normally you're a have to have about 10. So anywhere we go, any club, any tour, we have always got to ask if they've got a bottle of port. Uh, we even have a call in one of our plays that's called Port Bomb. That sounds a lot nicer than our team drink, which is wine and gin, which oh, is horrific well. on every level. The theme of our podcast from the start was grassroots, right? The idea is, is that most of what we do is rubbish. We play rubbish rugby on rubbish pitches with rubbish referees in front of two old people and a dog but we absolutely love it 
vast majority of the squad that I'm involved in, and I'm no doubt your squad, are not going to play for England. They might have a lucky get a county cap, but the vast majority of our time is spent trying to pull off things that we haven't got a hope in hell of pulling off. <laughs> yeah, too right. What is the most grassroots thing you've ever seen? years ago we traveled down to Kern in Somerset and we'd never played them before and we turned up and it had been absolutely hammering it down for about a week solid I think we sort of messaged them and they said yeah yeah the pitches are fine come on down let's carry on do the match we turned up and the pitch was like an Olympic swimming pool completely flooded and everyone just sort of looked around and went well should we just play anyway because we traveled all the way down there we were all buzzing for a match the Kern girls seemed well up for it and oh my lord by about 10 minutes into the match you couldn't tell which player was on which team because you were so <laughs> covered in mud we were all brown from head to toe and at one point I found myself at the bottom of a ruck face down in a puddle and I thought sure this could be the end of me this is how I die <laughs> yeah this is how I die and I just thought I bet they don't have to deal with this in the premiership they are amazing those games aren't they for everybody apart from the person that has to take the kit home and clean it yeah, that was me. It wasn't fun then. We felt bad. We left the changing rooms in such a state. They needed to get a pressure washer to it. Sally, really appreciate you coming on and talking to me today. It's been absolute pleasure. It's been really interesting hearing your journey, both personally and as a team as well. And I'm sure Aretians are going to have a great season. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, thank you for having us. And um, if anyone wants to come down on Sunday, they're more than welcome to. He's being hunted down by a pack of three. Running towards the touchline, shuffled into the touch. Not entirely sure. This is Fantasy 15. Fantasy 15. So, this should be a nice short, snappy section. We're doing halfbacks, so 9 and 10, pop stars. The reason I've gone for pop stars with Fantasy 15 is because the 9 and 10 are the rock stars of the rugby team, aren't they? They're the ones that, that worry about the hair and makeup, they've got the colourful boots. The socks are pulled up. The, the gloves, gloves. The Andy Goo gloves. They're all about the look. They can do the fancy things like spin the ball on their finger and kick it into touch and that kind of stuff. I don't know about Rockstar, but Diva, Mariah Carey. Ooh. Where though? At 10 or at 9? Oh, it's got to be 10. She can't do 9. Imagine. Hasn't Mariah Carey only got one side that she lets anyone look at or photograph? Her winning side. So she'd be fine going left to right, but rubbish going right to left, wouldn't she? <laughs> got a secret. 10. She's got control of everything, hasn't she? So I was thinking at 9, Nicki Minaj. Sorry, who? Nicki who? Nicki Minaj. Nicki Minaj? Minaj? <laughs> What's so funny? Who the hell is she? Nicki, Nicki Minaj. Minaj. <laughs> it's close. like when you started saying etiquette. 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 <laughs> Nicki Minaj. Nicki Minaj. <laughs> Nicki Minaj. So that's what I said. I can't stand Nicki Minaj. What? I hate Nicki Minaj. So that, therefore she's a good nine. Everyone hates their nine. Everyone hates their own nine. Sorry, Goose. They're always chippy and gobby and annoying and just generally little rats just running around the place being annoying. I think Ars might cover the ball too much, though. I think you won't know which direction she's going because you won't be able to see the ball from where she's standing. And I pay it doubles when she bends over as well. I feel like we've focused a lot on arses and flaps today. I feel like we need to move away from the arse. I know this is my fault and I take full responsibility. However, can we come up with three suggestions for nine and three suggestions for ten and then have maybe a vote? Well, if we're going on pop stars, it's not really my area of expertise, to be honest. So I feel like I have to say this in tribute to Maria. 
Oh, no. Madonna. Not Madonna. Oh, God. I have to put that in there. The problem with Madonna is she's she's in her 80s now, isn't she? She's probably got a brick in her boat. 80s. I don't think she's in her 80s. She's I getting on she's, a bit, though, isn't she? I think she? she's old, yeah. So she'd probably have to go off and have, have a cold towel for a hot flushes and stuff halfway through the first half. <gasps> she won't really concentrate. Your ear's going to hate you. She's not going to be very happy. That's her <laughs> idol. So going back to nine, I'll tell you who'd be a good nine. Sporty Spice. Oh, <gasps> Yeah. I saw Sporty Spice in the hot tub at Rookery Hall. She was ripped. Yeah, I did. But the <laughs> was, I didn't realise it was her until afterwards. You know, when you just look at something, I know that person from somewhere. Is it an old teacher? Ooh. Yeah, we had a little chat and all kinds. Did you? And I thought, I know that person from all somewhere. All kinds. What do you mean all kinds? What were you just talked about? In a hot tub. <laughs> what did you talk about in a hot tub? I was talking about, she was telling me about how she strained her flaps in the gym. And, but anyway, I didn't realise it was her. And, and then I thought, I know that person. And in the end, I looked up, I was a tattoo that I recognised. And then I looked her up and I was like, oh shit, it was Sporty Spice. I could have fangirled her and got an autograph and all kinds. But I didn't. But yeah, so I reckon her at nine would be a good shout. Definitely, yeah. I know she's dead, but what about Amy Winehouse? I reckon she'd have been a loose cannon at nine with a weave. I feel like she'd snap, though. I know, drug addict. She'd be pissed off the time, though. Well, I mean, that's grassroots right there, though, surely. Yeah, we do need to have an episode where we talk about the worst hangover you've had when oh, playing God, yeah. the game, because I've got a list. Whatever, well. Surely your yeah. list would be shorter if the times you were sober when playing a game. <laughs> Are you talking about me? I've only ever played piss once. It was not a fun experience. No, No. it's not pleasant. It's okay until you sober up. Anyway, uh, yeah, right. So who have we got at nine nine, then? We said Amy Winehouse or Sporty Spice at nine. Let's go Sporty Spice. I feel like she's she's got got the gear. Also, she's alive. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's a bit of a bonus. Oh, bless her. I'll rest in peace, Amy. Chance of making training are severely hindered by the fact that she's dead. Ten, then. Go on. Jodie, you must have some. You must yeah, have loads Mariah of like, Lesbo rocks. You want Mariah Carey at 10? There's no Lesbo rock stars. Yes, there is. Is there? Spoken Nancy. Best one ever. The only pop star I can think of is Britney Spears because she's been in the news recently. Britney Spears at 9 or 10. My pop star knowledge is, is limited. What about Miley Cyrus? Yeah. Ooh, because she comes in like a wrecking ball, doesn't she? So she'd be pretty good. Yeah. Annie Lennox? I like it. She's bonkers. Sinead O'Connor. Oh, maybe even more bonkers. Right. Can we have someone that's under <laughs> the age of 50? <laughs> Sorry, that's also not in my <laughs> area of expertise. I reckon Miley Cyrus is a great shout. She's quite punchy, isn't she? Quite fit. Yeah. Definitely. What about Lizzo? Yeah. Oh, she'd she's take what? no shit. Oh, she's a bit of a ledge. Lizzo, she'd be proper. She'd boss it, wouldn't she? Yeah, I, I like that. I like Lizzo. It's quite grassroots as well, isn't it? You've got somebody with a real stature at 10. I like that. She'd probably do a great throat punch as well. What's the um, next week then? Are we on centres? She's got a good throat punch. We'll be on centres next time, yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. Even more out of my comfort zone. You know Jesus. what centres does, do you? Apart from drop it. And what will the theme be? I haven't thought of, of it yet. people. I'll come up with something. I reckon figures from history. Queens. Ooh, yeah. Well, there's only like Love. three queens you can pick from. Queen Victoria at, open, uh, at uh, 12. That'd be quite entertaining, wouldn't it? Why not? Obviously, <laughs> <laughs> are Lizzie. My... It's a bit niche. Who are we going to have? Anne Boleyn? Yeah, Anne Boleyn. But she'd definitely lose her head if it got tasty, wouldn't she? If we can't have anyone else because she's dead, we're not having Anne Boleyn. Well, we can't have any queen. Well, apart from Queen Elizabeth, can we? 
because oh, they're all dead. I love Lizzie, though. It'd be a bit crap, though. You've got Lizzo and Lizzie. You wouldn't know what's going on in the midfield. That'd be funny, but I've seen the team sheet for this Thursday. There's three Hannahs. <laughs> yeah, I know. If anyone wants to play for crew and you're called Hannah, don't join. We can't cope. We've had two Hannahs previously and we've got rid of them. Now we've got three more. And we've also got about five Lilies now. Lily, that's quite unusual, though. Not in the 90s, it's not. Two Leanne's, three Lilies. But only one Jodie, Molly and Louise. Correct. Like, stays the way. Have we settled on this then? Because we seem to have gone on to the next pod's discussion, <laughs> having not settled this pod's discussion. With Lizzo, Lizzo, who was nine? Sporty Spice. Yeah, you Lizzo. picked her. Lizzo and Sporty Spice. I'm liking this. Very good. So a full recap like what we've got so far. We've got a front row. Who can remind me? Dawn French. Gemma Collins. Gemma Collins and Anna Richardson. Then we've got Adina and Patsy, second row. Yes, my faves. Love that. On the flank, we've got Victoria Pendleton, Definitely. Serena Williams. And on the open side, we've got Nicola Adams. And then we've got Sporty Spice at nine and Lizzo at ten. So far, I think that's quite a winning team. I would pay good money to watch that team play. Let's just say it's yeah, eclectic. It's eclectic. It is. Tune in next week if you want uh, the History Channel. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> We're not doing that shit. Sorry, I'm going to have to put my foot down. I'll come up with the theme for the I centre. I trust you to say, who oh, let's go history. I'm just trying to come up with ideas, keep it, keep it loose. You know, there's a wide variety of audience listening to this podcast, Louise. There's um, an archaeologist in our squad. How many famous archaeologists can you name? Yeah, but she's still not 50. <laughs> this is true. But Matt, you actually are probably the closest to somebody in history because you look like a monk <laughs> with your curled oh. back hair, Ouch. your sandy gloves, <laughs> and you play number 10. So really, we should have done the history version. Molly, do you want me to tell, tell millions of listeners what your nickname was for a while? Oh, yeah, Fandy. So I've lost a bit of weight lately. Well, actually, about a year and a half ago. But I was quite, I wouldn't say I was well fat, but I was a bit chubby, uh, like the cider a bit. And I stupidly got put in 10 when I was younger, when I was very, very thin. And I, I played there for a bit in 12. So I used to have these gloves because in my head I thought they made me catch better. And then I embraced them one cold winter's morning when playing for crew. And then you then decided, along with Laura Hollinshead, who is a hobbit, and Louise, that um, you would now call me <laughs> Fat Andy after Andy Good. <laughs> I was bullied by my own teammates. Takes one for the face. Full in the face. Look at this. Very definition of taking one for the team. Oh my god. That is extraordinary. But the kick lands on the head and offside is accidental. This is Every Team's Got One. And to wrap us up, Every Team's Got One. Because it's that time of season, isn't it, where the league season starts. And when the league season starts, you have to then put all your players on the IMS, don't you? You have to go onto that ridiculous website that nobody can ever remember the logins for GMS. I think that's something to do with GMS. American government, isn't it? I thought it was a condition, a medical one. (laughs) (laughs) It's it's Uh, a medical term for a strained vagina. (laughs) (laughs) I've got a terrible case of IMS. Intimate minge strain. That was so quick, Jodie. I'm really impressed. That That was was rapid. rapid.
How long have you been thinking for that for? Has Matt preempted this? <laughs> Let's see. Right, right, come on. Uh, Matt, just to yeah. clarify, it's Golf Mike, Golf Mike Sierra, Sierra. G M S. I can't come to training. I've got IMS. It's not IBS. It's IMS. Oh <laughs> anyway, <laughs> been down the gym. <laughs> been on that machine. <laughs> The flap machine. The flap machine. <laughs> God's sake. Anyway, game management systems. <laughs> Just shut up the lie. <laughs> Just for a second. <laughs> oh, for God's sake. Right, game management system. So when you go on the game management system, basically it means you have to actually register your players to your club. And it's always around now when players, they get put on the spot whether they're going to play for you or not. So I thought it would be a good discussion point for the every team's got one of the players that might sign for somebody else. The glory hunters. It's the dual registered. That's what used to get me because you're not allowed to do that anymore. And they used to register for two clubs and then it had come to that point where they'd have to make a decision and then you'd get that pending email through from the GMS system, which would say such and such has signed for blah 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 and they are no longer a member of Kieran Antwich and some of you were like yes thank god I've got rid of it <laughs> and some of you were quite sad about it some didn't even know about it until it happened exactly I didn't know that was a thing because I just thought probably this was quite a few years ago then really you could go and play on loan to another team for a couple of games or there was a limit of how many games you could go and play on loan and I thought it was quite interesting the sorts of players that used to go and do that because they were the sorts of players that sort of thought uh, the grass was greener. They might not even mention it, actually. They might just go off and um, you wouldn't know anything about it until the team manager from the other team used to get in touch and said, yeah, I need this loan form signing. And anyway, you never heard any more about it until they came back to training the next week or the, ne- the next fortnight. Yeah, like, hmm, dropped. Wonder how that game went. Clearly you're back. Well, they ghost you. Like, there's the other thing that happens, isn't it? They were training on the Thursday. Everything's fine. You then get the email from other clubs saying they've, they've been registered and then you never hear from them again. They just vanish into thin air. And then you see some some uh, picture on social media. Best game ever. Love my new club or something like that. It's like, oh, okay. See you then. Yeah, they're like, you're dead to me now. Until they get dropped. Yeah. <laughs> and then exactly. they're back. <laughs> exactly. Like, hmm, interesting. It is difficult though, isn't it? Because I think some players like to have have a bit of a, an anxiety about their own status within a team or a team squad and think that, oh, you know, I'm not good enough. I'm not, not going to get picked this year. And they think, oh, you know, I'd rather go and play rugby somewhere I can get regular game time. And actually, they might be, in the coach's eyes or, in, you know, in their teammates' eyes, one of the best players, but they get a bit worried. So they go to a club that's maybe a little bit lacking in players in certain positions or something. And they get this sort of th- belief that, oh, I'll go and get game time in my preferred position, only to go there and find out they've only got 14 players and they're having to, sweep water off the pitch before playing every week and stuff that certainly happened to us a few times i don't know it's a difficult one isn't it like because you want people to push themselves and go and play for the highest team that they possibly can and then feel that they can come back to your club and i think you know i'm not just saying this that we do that quite well and there's been loads of people that have gone away played prem and, and then come back like lou said on loan but then i do think some people like being a big fish in a small pond sometimes and they've come to training and been like yeah yeah i've played rugby for so many years and i'm amazing blah 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 and then when they realize that our team's not really like that and we're all kind of 
you know, we have lots of leaders and we, and we try and be as inclusive as possible. When they're not as kind of bright and shiny as they thought they are, they go back to another team and disappear slowly. Absolutely. I think also some players like to feel like they're indispensable. They like to be chased and they like to have their, their egos massaged a little bit. And when teams don't really do that, they play this sort of little game of brinksmanship around this time of year about signing for other clubs. People really like that. Obviously, I'm not into whole management of the teams. I didn't know any of this sort of stuff happening. I didn't know what the GMS was. I've had to deal with loan forms an hour before kickoff from a player that's suddenly popped up to play for another club that we thought was injured or something. So, yeah, it's, it's happened several times, yeah. You don't get to hear about this stuff very often, actually, unless you're involved in some sort of management of a club. I think good luck to those players who want to go and broaden their horizons. I just think there's a way of doing it. And I think possibly being open and honest about it is the best way. I just think within rugby circles and in rugby clubs, I think most of us are pretty straightforward and open and honest. And I think that's the way, way to handle it, really. I think it's particularly problematic in areas where there are a lot of unis close together. Because what happens at the start of the season is it's a massive feeding frenzy. So all the clubs go to the freshers' fairs and um, they all join up with the local coaches and stuff and they try to properly hoover up all the available players that come in as freshers. So they'll they'll sign a load of players up and stuff. And those players haven't a clue where they're going. They have no idea about the setup. They'll often go where... Who gives such free beer? Yeah, who, yeah um, Louise. Or best stash or most lifts available or... Yeah, it may not be the best team and you might not realise that until um, part way into the season, in which case you're in a bit of a situation, aren't you? Yeah, definitely can be. But yeah, so I guess the message out there is, look, you know, it's normal to move teams. It's a good thing, actually, sometimes because you don't feel like you fit in or you don't settle somewhere. The most important thing is you keep playing rugby. Yeah, um, just don't be shady about it. Yeah, just let everyone know. Simple <laughs> as that, really. Does yeah. that mean like if someone asked you, say you get a call up, said oh, some people are short? To play one game, do you have to do like a, a form then? You should in do you theory, do it, yeah. Do you have to do it now? Yeah. It's not in pre-season friendlies, but once the league start, if you're in a league, then they've stopped loaning. I can't remember. You can loan the... up, you can't loan down. But in the National <laughs> Challenge Leagues, you can play down and play up without having to do any paperwork, I believe, as long as you make sure you're registered on a GMS somewhere. It's all a bit complicated. It's, it's basically an insurance thing. It's also to stop players. Because theoretically, you could have a mate who's a Prem player. You just come back from injury, say, and you, you twist their arm to come play for at the weekend. And you've got some freak of nature that's running in seven tries in a fixture that would otherwise be quite equal, you know. It's yeah. grassroots right there, right? That's grassroots <laughs> right there. It sure is. Do you think about all those times where you've been playing for Waterloo under the radar and not told anyone? <laughs> <laughs> On the wing. Sure. When you play for a uni team, you play for your home team, but also you're awaiting. So if you lived in Crewe, say, and your local team was Crewe and Antwich, but you went to uni in, for argument's sake, Norwich, you could play for a team in Norwich as well. Can we also talk about how you said Norwich and not Norwich? The fuck is this? Elocution lessons? <laughs> no, from you. No, Maria does it all the time. She says it like porridge and it really winds me up. Really gets going. <laughs> porridge, Norwich. Norwich. But how many ways of pronouncing porridge are there? She says Norwich like porridge and it's really annoying to me. Norwich. In Norwich. Norwich. All right, Dr. Fucking Doolittle. Thanks so much for listening to Grassroots, a podcast by players for players. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe on CastBox and give us a comment. Good luck with the new season. 
If you would like your team featured, please get in touch. A brilliant finish. This was Grassroots, women's rugby on the roots up.